So I think that when we lie, we're not really very smart about it. We usually get figured out. At least I do. Uh, the first lie that I remember really focusing on was telling my brother that the lighter brown chocolate milk was the one with the most chocolate in it. I obviously got figured out pretty fast there. But even with lies that are bigger than chocolate milk, it seems like we get figured out pretty quickly. In 2007, MTV had this show called Two A Days, and they followed coaches around and teams around, and they followed this one coach from Alabama around, and ends up he was leading this double life and had two families. These lies that he had tried to cover something up with were exposed. When we lie, we try to save something. We try to save a secret, save a hidden part of who we are. But what lies end up doing is destroying us and destroying relationships that we're in. You guys probably have all at some point been lied to. Had somebody break a promise to you. And when a friend bails on you, you begin to, to really not expect them to, to show up if they continue to bail on you. If somebody in authority over you, you see them be dishonest, you begin to not really believe the things that they tell you. We've all been in some way hurt by somebody's deception or, or failure to come through on their word. Yet, we are still people who don't mean what we say. We are still people who lie. And so as Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, which we've been going through, as he introduces this section of scripture where he says, let your yes be yes and your no, no, it at first seems a little shocking to be like, you've just been talking about lust and anger and divorce, and now keep your word. Or in the Ten Commandments where it's like, don't murder or commit adultery and don't lie. It's like, is that really as important? But when we see how much our words affect people, how much it tears things apart and affects our view of God, it totally makes sense that this is one of the things that Jesus is talking about. Here in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is showing us a picture of what his kingdom looks like. And as people who pray the Lord's Prayer that say, your kingdom would come, your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven— when he's saying we are people that keep our word, that mean what we say, that is the way that we are ushering in the kingdom. That is the way that we are showing off God in this world by being people of truth. So we're going to talk about that this evening. So pray with me. Father God, um, thank you that you are the truth. Um, thank you that you have allowed us to be your mouthpiece, and, and my goodness, what a big responsibility. Um, continue to strengthen us and show us how to walk in your way. In your name, amen. Jesus says, you've heard it said to the people long ago, keep your oaths that you make to the Lord. But I tell you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne room, or earth, for it is his footstool, or Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And don't swear by your head, because you cannot make either one hair white or black. But I tell you, let your yes be yes and your no, no. And anything more than this comes from the evil one. 
So in the Old Testament, there was a lot of laws about keeping the vows that you made to God to do it quickly, to not take God's name in vain. And that made a lot of sense because if people were bringing God into these promises they were making, they better be responded to. They better be representing him well, especially if he wasn't jumping in that agreement. What Jesus is doing here, though, what's happening in this context is that the people have made oaths into these hierarchies. They have made them into things that don't actually mean you're supposed to keep your promise. So if I were to say, well, I swear by my sheep's head, but then I were to say, well, but actually I swear about this by Jerusalem, well, I didn't really have to fulfill the promise about my sheep's head because this one was more important. And so what Jesus is saying, he's saying, hey, oaths were put in place so that you would be people that were trustworthy. If you need oaths, if it's about keeping the oaths, get rid of them, because really, I just want you to be people who say what you mean, who keep your word. And while today we don't have as many oaths, we do, you know, cross our heart, hope to die, um, he's talking at us about, or to us, about how we speak about our truthfulness of words. And our culture today is super deceptive. Think of every commercial you watch. You're not like watching a commercial and it's like, hey, here's this five by five white square that when you use a lot of arm power and a lot of them, you can maybe clean a couple of your floorboards. No, it's like magic eraser. It's so much fun to use. It smells great. Everything around us is, now I'm being exaggerating, a lot of things around us exaggerate, change, shift the meaning of things. We even have vocabulary that's like white lies, bend the truth, things that are talking about about ways that we aren't truthful. Think about in the past couple weeks, if you've heard or said any of these things, and not meant it. I've, I've got to go. I just, I just want to be single right now. It's okay. I'm fine. I've got it. I don't need help. I'm on my way. I'm just 10 minutes away. We use phrases and aren't totally honest with them all the time. There was a like, research project done a couple of years ago with some college students, and they found just in conversation that every 3.3 seconds, somebody lied, just changing things up a little bit, embellishing something. It's a lot. And even as I have been preparing for this, I've watched myself lie. The other night, I was putting Jax to bed, and, he, and I'm literally writing my sermon that night, and he was like, good night, Mommy, where are you going? I'm like, oh, I'm going to bed. I didn't go to bed for like four hours. Our deception is part of, so much a part of our culture. And college students, you guys are known for backing out last minute from commitments, from not being people who can be trusted to fall through with what you commit to. We at the house have to put like make people put down deposits for retreats and mission trips so that we can actually trust that people will show up because they put some money down. Or when we have core groups being put together, we tell people so many times, hey, you're committing for the year, and people still drop out. 
it's hard to commit to things, I know. And, and really, it just feels in this culture easy to back out. You wake up and you're tired or you didn't do your homework, so you got to do that instead or something better comes up. And what's interesting is that people that have had promises broken to them still aren't great at committing. It's not just college students. This is the world we're in right now. Um, Last week we talked about divorce and just the divorce rate that, that is happening. People are getting married less. And the average length of somebody in a job is 4.6 years. This um, pastor out of Chicago called us a Band-Aid culture, that when things get unsticky, we just abandon ship. And all of this, this culture that we live in, it's causing us a lot of trust issues. The number of people that I have tell me, I just have trust issues. I don't know if I can join a small group because I can't trust anybody or I can't open up to friends or open up to you because I've got these trust issues. It's all around us. So if we know that deception, if we know that not being people of our word hurt hurt us, if when people do that to us, why, why do we still do that to other people? Well, some of it is because we're selfish. We look at ourself and we begin to feel this need to manage the way other people look at us. And it feels way easier to manage somebody else with our deception than it does to love them with truth. So we want to control. And Jesus in this passage, he recognizes that. He says, you can't even make one hair white or black. I know you want to control this, but you can't do it. But we still try. By the things that we say to people, the things we leave out, the pictures we paint. Those of you who have been on dates from dating apps, you tell me stories of, and then I showed up and they didn't even look anything like that. Or your parents ask you about a party you went to and you paint this picture so that, you know, it was was really great and it was safe when it was not We control things so people see things how we want them to. We hijack their ability to judge things. It's why we get really defensive when we're in an argument because we want to control how people see us. So we just defend like, no, this is exactly how I was. This is what I was doing. This is what I was like. But really, if we want them to have a better view of us, probably just apologizing is the way to go. And we don't trust people to give us the benefit of the doubt, which is interesting because it's just a big cycle of not trusting them. So we have to force pictures of ourselves upon them because we don't trust them to simply just see us in the best light. And then as we begin to paint these pictures of ourselves to control and manage other people's views, we have to continue to do that because we've been painting a false picture of ourselves. We have to keep putting it out there. And I've watched, let me tell you, enough of my political drama shows to know that when you murder one person, you got to murder like 10 more to hide that one person's murder. And from personal experience, when I was anorexic in high school, the number of lies I had to add on top of lie on top of lie to hide the fact that I was throwing my food away was exhausting. It ends up just being easier, though, to manage and control other people's view of us than it is to actually love them. 
And a big reason why we want to manage other people is because we want them to see us in a certain light. We want them to see us as good and the best. We want our bosses to see us as the best employee they've ever had and having it all together. We want our friends to see us as really lovable and desirable to be around. So we justify things. We blame other people. We once again paint pictures that are not true. Hey, I've got it all. I've got it handled. I don't need any help. And really, you have no idea what's, what's going on at all. You're mad at somebody, and so you're talking to somebody else about all the stuff, and you're totally leaving yourself out of the picture and any blame on you because you want to be painted in this perfect light. You want just that part of you to be seen. So we manage, we control, we put out just the perfect picture and hide the things that we don't want to be seen. And we say yes to so much so that we can look good in somebody else's eyes. Even if we are jam-packed full, we'll say, yes, I can help. I'll be there. But really, we end up not being able to do that and then lying about why we're not able to do that because we want to still look good in their, in their eyes. So we make up an excuse that maybe they'll believe and that they'll see us and feel bad for us. And we do all these things because we want to mask our insecurities. We want to hide so people don't see them. And we do this all because we're afraid. We're afraid of being rejected. We're afraid of being unimportant, not wanted, unlovable. And I'm not going to say just stop being afraid. I'm going to tell you what I said, I think, last week. But let that fear trigger courage. Courage to be honest when it doesn't paint you in the best light. To be honest in a world that is so used to people crying wolf, so to speak. To be courageous. Because if we are people that are to be showing off the kingdom of God that looks different than this world of deception, we have to be people of truth and to show off something different. So to be people that trust, to be people that are trustworthy and not running from it. So why is it really all that important that all of our words are true? That simply yes and yes and no, no. The why lies aren't that. Like why? why? First, because like we talked about weeks ago, we represent Jesus, God, on this earth. And if we are people that break our promises, if we are people that lie, who's to say that God is somebody that tells the truth, that keeps his promises? If we tell somebody, God loves you, but lie about school or something else, why would somebody believe that God actually loved them if we're lying about other things? And we, this thing that we're in is a faith. And it, can faith happen without trust? And so if we are people that break promises, that don't tell the truth, why in the world would people believe that God keeps his promises? Why would they believe that he is coming again, that he, that he actually will never leave us or forsake us, that he has victory, that he is wiping every tear away? 
unless we are people that show that off. And that doesn't mean that we then lie to be perfect, like, oh, I've got it all figured out. I'm all imperfect because God's perfect. No, we admit our imperfections and we don't put that on God. Because what shows him off really well is when we say, I messed up, but God's given me grace and I've received that. That shows him off. And then we're people that tell the truth, that are people of our word, because we know what it is. We know truth. This world is longing to know what is true. Think about times that you're like, I just, I don't know what is right and what is wrong, what is true and what is false, and how anxious you feel in those moments. But then how relieved you feel when you know what's right. When you know where truth is, when you find that solid ground. You guys, we know what that is. That's Jesus. He tells us that he is the truth. So people are longing to know what the truth is, and we know it. We have it. So why be people that tell the truth? Because we have a gift to offer to the world. And then think about people that you know that are really trustworthy, that you can guarantee will fall through with what they say they'll fall through with. How great that just makes you feel to have them on your team. No matter if they're qualified to do whatever project you're working on, but oh my gosh, I'm so thankful you're here because I trust that you're going to do what you say. When I have those people on my team, I give them so much responsibility. So we want to be people without responsibility in this world. And we want to be people that are telling people what the truth is because they're hearing a lot of lies and they're longing for truth. And we're people that are people of our word because when people break promises and lie to us, it hurts. You've been hurt by it. I've been hurt by it. And we want to be people that show the opposite. Imagine that I come into work and I ask one of my interns, hey, can you guys clean the hub because it's just trash, let's say, for this meeting tomorrow. So they're like, absolutely, we'll clean it. I come in and the place is still trashed. Well, then I'm like, okay, stress cleaning while I feel really like unloved and unimportant to them because they didn't listen. They didn't not listen. They didn't respond to what they said they were going to do. Well, really, I'm not offering them the benefit of the doubt. They probably had something else come up and they couldn't do it. But because of my past and being promises not being kept and my hurt, I go there. And so then I'm not loving to them and I'm hurting. But if we are people that tell the truth, how much healing do we get to be part of? Letting people know that these promises that have been broken to them in the past don't have to define what is happening in their future, don't have to define who God is and the promises that he's making to them. And then, like it says in the scripture, anything more than a yes and yes and a no and no, that comes from the evil one. Satan is known as the father of lies, the deceiver. And so when we deceive, we are speaking his language. He's been somebody that has deceived from the beginning, from Adam and Eve, where he whispers to them, deceives them into believing that God is not for them, and, and then they disobey God. So when we do not tell the truth, we are speaking his language. When we are deceptive, destruction comes. So we tell the truth so that we can build up relationships, not tear them down. And once again, we tell the truth because we live a life pointing to Jesus. And it's a life that is not just a short-term, but it is long-term. We tell the truth now 
we are people of our word now so that months later, people may believe what we say. So if, okay, great example. When I moved to the South from the Pacific Northwest, um, I kind of got myself in trouble because I came from a very uh, direct communication culture. So people would ask me, hey, do you like my haircut? And if I didn't like it, I would say, uh, not really. And everyone's like, what are you doing? You're being really offensive. Um, but what I wanted to, to communicate was I want people to know when I actually like it. Like, I don't want them just to think I've lied this whole time, but I want people to know when I'm telling the truth and to receive it as actually true. So we want to be people that tell the truth so that when two months down the road somebody says, what does Jesus think about me? And we can say he loves you, he's died for you, that they actually believe those words we said because they've seen this longer term picture. That our life is not just about us, we tell the truth to make our life pointing to Jesus. And this is hard. It's really hard work. So how do we do it? Well, we first start by following Jesus. The psalmist says, Lord, teach me your ways so that I may walk in your truth. So we begin to learn from Jesus, the one who is true, what it looks like to be trustworthy. We follow after that. And then we learn from him how to be healed. We're places that we are not trusting God where we're not trusting others, that he comes in and heals those things. And we follow Jesus and learn from him that our worth is found in him, not in other people that we're trying to manipulate and trick into believing something about ourselves, but we find our worth in Jesus himself. And then we don't make commitments flippantly. We see and we look and consider the commitments we make and the promises we make. So if I say I'm going to pray for you, actually think about that and I do it. I maybe write it down to remember I'm going to do that. Or I think through my whole schedule, okay, yes, I can be there that morning, so I'm going to do my homework ahead of time. We ask for wisdom from other people as we make longer-term commitments. When we make them, we are honest about the amount we can give. Now, if you find yourself right now overwhelmed by your commitments, you're like, I need to take some things off my plate, do so honestly. Don't leave something and just disappear. Don't leave something and just explain it away and make yourself look good. Be, be real. Be honest. Or maybe you have to say no to the next thing that comes about, even though, oh, it looks so fun. But remembering this is longer term than this one moment. And then if you say no to things, keep that. If you have to say no to spending time with a certain group of people because they're not good for you, or no to going so far with this guy or girl, or no to adding something else to your plate, not changing your mind to appease other people, to make people love you, but look at it seriously. Choose character. Talents are given to us. We get to choose our character. So make that important. Make goals for yourself to be honest, to tell the truth, 
desire to be somebody of integrity that can hold up under the weight of things. Let God build that character and, and know that it requires endurance. That the world is telling people other things. And so as you continue to say, hey, I'm going to promise that I'm going to be there and I'm going to be there, I'm going to be there, I'm going to be there, I'm going to be honest. And people are like, you're not being honest, you're not being honest. You're like, yes, I am. I promise you, I'm going to keep working at it, that you, that you do and you stick with it. You choose to build that character. And when you screw up, you admit to it. That we are also people that are vulnerable, that admit our mistakes, that we say, I've failed. Here's this part of me that isn't perfect. Because you know what builds trust? Vulnerability. So if we're designed to be people of truth, we'll be people that are vulnerable as well. And then look outward. One of the most common reasons people gave me about why they lie is to protect somebody else. My question was, are they protecting somebody else or protecting themselves? Are they lying to not be the one that has to break the news to somebody? Because let's say your friend comes to you and they say, I really want to be a counselor. Do you think I'd be a good counselor? But this friend of yours is really abrasive and a terrible listener. You're going to say, yeah, you'd be a great counselor. And let them go to grad school and then have some practice and people don't come and they've wasted all this time. I'm like, why don't you tell me? Wouldn't you rather have somebody that loves them, that can speak kindly to them, be the one that is honest? And now don't go being mean. Speak truth and love to people. Don't just look at yourself, look at them. And confess and forgive. Confess to the Lord these lies that are permeating your life. Confess the things that you have used lies to cover up. And let him forgive you. Confess to those around you so they can look at you and say, you're forgiven. And then forgive the people that have broken your trust. Because they are people too. They are messy too. And then ask God to forgive you for putting them and their picture onto them. Begin to study God's promises. Learning that he actually does fulfill what he says he's going to. Google tonight God's promises fulfilled and see prophecies fulfilled. See literal promises that he's made fulfilled. And then believe and work to believe, sitting under him, that he will actually fulfill the things that he says he will. Because he actually is trustworthy. He actually is true. And that is why we want to be people who are people of our word. Because it's what our faith is about, is God being who he says he is. It's about him being good, him being king. And we're able to be people who speak truth because we have been given the spirit of truth. Jesus tells us this in the Gospel of John. You've been given the spirit of truth so we can be strengthened by his spirit to be those who speak what is true, who are people of our world, of our word in a world that is not like that.
Imagine what it would be if this world was filled up with people who said what they meant. How would you see God in a different light? How would you see yourself in a different light? What would this world be like? Let's be people who are people of our word. Let's have our yes be yes and our no, no, so that people would know that God is true and trustworthy.